Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price. This is Bay Curious. The first time I saw Moffett Field and Hangar One, my jaw literally dropped. I was driving along, north on 101 through Mountain View. For the most part, it's a ho-hum drive. There's trees or sound barriers all along the side of the road. Not really much to see. But suddenly, an enormous plane opens up to your east. It's an airfield. And at one end stands the biggest structure I have ever seen in my entire life. Hangar 1. It kind of looks like a birdcage, but it's shaped like a Twinkie and massively large. Laura Sneddon of Los Gatos has driven by Moffett Field many times over the years and heard some rumors about what goes on there. She wants to know, What is Moffett Field used for? Is it a NASA research center, a military base, or an airfield for private use by tech companies like Google? The short answer is yes. Moffett Field is part NASA research center, part military base, and part airfield for private use. But trust me, the long answer and the story of Hangar 1 is much more interesting. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. For this story, we called in KQED's Rachel Myro, the queen of all things Silicon Valley. That's me. So let's start at the very beginning, Rachel. What was Moffett Field built for originally? Well, as you can imagine, it has to do with that giant Twinkie you were just talking about. Or, as I like to think of it, cathedral to aeroscience. It's actually a hangar, as in Hangar 1. And Moffett Field was built to house what used to be inside that hangar. Back in the 1930s, a dirigible. A dirigible what? A dirigible. From the French, ballon dirigeable. Dirigeable meaning steerable. From the French, diriger, to direct, guide, or steer. The first one flew in 1852. Ah, yes. Quite helpful to have a French speaker on staff. Thank you, Chloe Veltman. So, a giant steerable balloon. Like a blimp? Exactly. Dirigible is really a category, Olivia, that includes balloons as well as blimps as well as airships. I paid a visit to the Moffett Field Historical Society, which runs a little museum right near Hangar 1, and I talked to its curator, Bill Stubger. 
After World War I, the U.S. Navy was extremely concerned about Japanese expansion in the Pacific, and they wanted a way to scout. Well, there was no radar, there was no satellites, and if you wanted to know where the enemy fleet was, somebody had to go out and look for them. Back then, a rigid dirigible... Wait, a, referred- rig- a rigid dirigible? Yes, a rigid dirigible. Say that ten times real <laughs> a fast. A rigid dirigible. Anyway, picture a blimp, but orders of magnitude bigger. A rigid dirigible has an internal metal frame and inflatable bags of gas that carry the giant way up into the atmosphere and help you see far over the ocean. They were used in World War I for scouting and even bombing attacks in Europe. The U.S. Navy commissioned six in the 1920s and 30s, including the USS Macon called the Queen of the Skies. 785 feet long. It was a flying aircraft carrier. How in the world does an airship house and receive planes? Very carefully. Rigid airship, unlike a blimp, has internal spaces, so it had a hangar. It had what was called a trapeze, which was basically an arm that could swing down and would hold the aircraft until it was ready to fly off, off it would go. When it wanted to land, the frame would come down, the airplane would fly up, hook on, and swing up into it. So it could hold four airplanes. And the idea was is that the airship would take it out to the area they wanted to investigate and then send the airplanes out in a search pattern. could cover a great deal of distance. But rigid dirigibles had a tendency to die young. Oh, no. I sort of had a feeling. I mean, the Hindenburg was a dirigible, after all. Yes, indeed. And that was a horrific tragedy that happened in 1937, believe it or not, two years after the USS Macon went down off the coast of Big Sur when it ran into some bad weather. Not quite as bad as the Hindenburg, just two of its crewmen died, but the consequences were pretty serious. That basically ends the rigid airship program. Moffat saw a lot of military dirigible use in the decades that followed, just not rigid dirigible use. I'm thinking of a blimp patrol that they used to operate in World War II. But, Olivia, let's fast forward to today. This former naval air station is now owned and operated by the NASA Ames Research Center, which also rents out space to the California National Guard and other military units, as well as private outfits. Now, our question asker, Laura, had one private company in mind. By tech companies like Google. Is Google building a modern dirigible at Moffett? Well, that was the buzz about four years ago, and you could see why, given that Hangar 1 is so big, right? If those old airships could carry airplanes back then, they could conceivably carry other things today, like scientific equipment, telecom equipment, all sorts of things. So I did ask Google, and they said, nope, they're not working on dirigible airships at Moffett. They're working on balloons. Like this? Exactly. Do you remember, Olivia, when Google established an umbrella company called Alphabet? Mm-hmm. Holds Google and a handful of other companies. There's one that focuses on life sciences, another on cybersecurity, and yet another called Project Loon that focuses on balloons. Loon, balloon. Got it. I talked to Nick Coley of Project Loon, which is focused on expanding internet connectivity to far-flung places around the globe. And we're doing that with stratospheric balloons. 60 to 70,000 feet up, above where airplanes fly, 
below where satellites orbit. A lot of people call it near space, at least Nick does. Up in near space, the atmosphere is thin, and the helium inside Loon's polyethylene balloons expands. So the balloons, which look like jellyfish at ground level, expand to the size of... Two tennis courts um, laid end to end. Moffat's hangar 2, one of three giant hangars on the property, as it turns out, was a handy place for Project Loon to conduct early tests. It's a nice big space that uh, you can shield from the wind and so that you can inflate these balloons to full size to be able to see how they take shape uh, just as if we were in the stratosphere. And the airfield is pretty handy, too. Um, If you think about not just the space that Hangar 2 provides, but, um, you know, Moffett's one of the longest open runways uh, that's around, really. I mean, I think it was, you know, when it was designed, it was designed for for huge aircraft. And so you really have to struggle to find places where you can see line of sight for that long. So, Rachel, you flew past the part about NASA Ames Research being the landlord at Moffett. What are they doing there? Oh, my gosh. All sorts of projects involving the moon, Mars, the space between, the space beyond our solar system. NASA Ames has more than 2,300 people working there on research, so it would kind of fill its own Bay Curious segment all by itself. Say the word, Olivia, and I'm on it. All right, Rachel. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. That was KQED's Interim Silicon Valley Bureau Chief, Rachel Myro. Thanks to our question asker this week, Laura Sneddon of Los Gatos. This summer, the Bay Curious team is going on a road trip to Lake Tahoe. We'll be collaborating with our friends at Capital Public Radio to answer some of your questions about everything from the impacts of climate change to housing affordability. So what do you want to know about Lake Tahoe? Ask a question at baycurious.org slash Tahoe. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. I'm Olivia Allen-Price. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts.
to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support.